Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate. Lots of questions swirling around like confetti. Lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain. Sleepless nights, shallow breathing. Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook. People who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a sane split. Welcome and thanks for tuning in. Our subject for today is separation after 50. And yes, that does happen quite often. People finding themselves, for example, after years of working hard and raising kids, having grown apart, having different goals perhaps. The children have left home, established themselves as young adults, and now their parents sit across each other at the kitchen table, having trouble keeping up a decent conversation. The hustle and bustle, the challenges, the highs and lows of raising children, building careers behind them. And now they ask themselves and each other, what is next? So separation in midlife is not uncommon. And I want to share some of my thoughts about it based on my experience over the years, what I have heard from my clients, observed couples experiencing. What I'm going to say here is not legal advice because we don't know each other and I don't know your unique situation. We have never made contact and only a lawyer with whom you have made such contact who is able to hear your whole story and ask you any follow-up questions to understand your specific circumstances is able to do that, give you legal advice. What I am going to share with you are some thoughts and suggestions about issues you might consider if you are separating after 50. There is nothing magical about the age of 50 for family law purposes. And by designing this show and giving it this title, I didn't mean to suggest that some special rules apply once you hit that age. That's not the case. But it is a fact that couples who separate later in life have different kinds of issues to deal with. Well, perhaps not different issues, but they need to look at them from a slightly different angle because they are in midlife. 
they may already have reached their peak of earning potential. The actual number of working years ahead of them has reduced. And importantly, the expectation that they re-enter the workforce after many years of not being a part of it and maximize their own income earning potential is becoming less and less realistic. Children as an issue are a classic example to illustrate my point. When a couple separates and the children are young, the parents need to turn their minds to a whole variety of child-related sub-issues. For example, where the children will live, how much time they will spend with each parent and based on what schedule, and also who will make decisions about major issues in their lives. These simply aren't issues for parents who are separating when their children are older and decision-making for them is no longer an issue. Older children will themselves decide where they're going to live. And while technically speaking, parents still make some, at least financial decisions for young adults who are attending college or university, for example, generally speaking, young adults select the school they will attend. And so the issues related to their ongoing financial support and decision-making about them are simply not the same as they would be for a five- or seven-year-old. A short detour here. I'm often asked at what age children make their own decisions, and technically the answer to the question is 18, because that is the age of majority for these purposes. The practical reality is that children, as we say, begin voting with their feet a bit earlier than that. And by this, I mean that it will be difficult to make a 16-year-old live in a particular place with a particular parent because he or she will likely exercise their decision in a physical way. In other words, they will simply go to the place where they want to live and the other parent cannot do much about that. That is what we call voting with one's feet. But let me get back to separating after 50. At this age, many couples begin thinking actively about retirement and where they will end up in the long term. Sometimes the couple has a second home or a vacation property, a cottage, or perhaps a place in Florida or Arizona. Many couples downsize once the children are out of the house and move to condos or smaller homes. For some couples, one party's pension or RSPs will be the main source of income after retirement, and couples often plan their budgets going forward based on those sources of future funds. RSPs also come into play in such budgeting, and if one party has devoted most of their adult life to the household and the children and did not work, such RSPs may be in the other party's name, or there may be spousal RSPs. If there is a family business, 
the spouses may have been income splitting, and this too will have to be addressed once a separation takes place from both a business perspective and a tax perspective as well. I'm not giving you an exhaustive list of issues by any means. I'm just touching on some by way of example. A separation in midlife can have a profound, if not devastating, effect on the couple and in fact can affect each separating spouse quite differently. I don't think many of my colleagues would disagree with me when I say that separation at this stage in life is particularly difficult and impactful on women and especially in circumstances where they have been out of the workforce for a considerable period of time. Statistically, men of all ages fare far better after separation than women do. And the reasons for this differ somewhat for younger women and older women, but that is a topic for another show. I have acted for many let's call them mature clients over the years, women, who have expressed to me their utter despair at the idea that they would be, as they put it, starting from scratch or all over again. Their very identities are firmly rooted in the idea of the family, almost exclusively so meaning that without the family unit, they feel untethered, no anchor, drifting into the sea and heading toward an unknown destination. They report a complete loss of control. This invariably affects self-esteem, causes loss of a sense of self-worth. They frequently describe this event in their lives as shattering their world or pulling the rug out from under their feet. I don't mean to suggest, not at all, that men who separate in midlife are not affected by separation at that age, emotionally, psychologically. They are, and sometimes quite profoundly. But from my experience, women react to such separation with often profound grief, particularly if they are not the party who made the decision to separate. In midlife, men are more likely to repartner than women are, and perhaps even go on to have children, a second family. Again, these reactions to a separation in midlife often have to do with each spouse's role in the relationship, whether it was a marriage or common law relationship, and to what extent one of the partners, often the woman, sacrificed their career for the benefit of the family and to permit the primary breadwinner to focus on their career and asset generating potential. In the course of my 26-year career as a family law lawyer, I have sometimes been asked whether I have acted for more men than women. The answer is that I have never observed any pattern, and I'm comfortable saying 
that it has been about 50-50. I tell you this because I have seen the impact of separation later in life on both genders. And I could talk at some length about their experiences by dividing them based on gender. So my comments about women earlier were not advocacy on my part. I was not taking their side, so to speak. Both spouses are affected by separation in midlife. And I have argued this issue before the court for my male clients on many, many occasions. The next point is that separating spouses by no means fit into separate silos based on gender alone. In other words, there are lots of men who grieve, and deeply so, the end of their relationships, and even find themselves unable to move on, quite frankly, for months at a time. But generalizing, particularly in situations where the woman has devoted herself to the family almost exclusively, rather than to a career, older women see and experience the separation as a fundamental shift in their reality. And they experience profound grief, sadness, loss of trust, feelings of being overwhelmed, and with no control over their future. Be kind to yourself above all. Exercise a lot of self-compassion. Practice it actively. Don't sweep under the rug the range of feelings and emotions you may be experiencing. They are real and they deserve attention and sympathy. You may find yourself on an emotional roller coaster and that too can disrupt your everyday life, your everyday reality. If you are finding that your feelings of grief are interfering with your ability to function day to day, then it's important for you to seek some professional help, perhaps from a psychologist or a social worker, even from your family physician, so that you can hopefully access some tools to cope with how you're feeling and so that these professionals can help you navigate your way through what is without question a very challenging time. Know that you are not alone and how you feel is nothing to be ashamed of. Addressing this part of the separation process is vitally important and many people simply don't think about the emotional and psychological impact when they hear a couple is going their separate ways. People immediately think of money and homes and pensions and the types of fights, entertainment, gossip channels like TV and social media feed to us as consumers of entertainment news. You know, the separation of Melinda and Bill Gates is a classic example. A couple separating in midlife. I have not seen a single article covering this subject that talks about what is without question an emotionally difficult time for this family. Assuming this is any of our business at all, and from my perspective, 
we should be giving this family the privacy they deserve without speculating about this or that. But the media are talking about their separation. So that is the unfortunate reality we cannot change. They sell their stories because there are people who want to read them. But that is a subject for another podcast. In the articles that do come out about Melinda and Bill, little attention is paid to what their children are feeling and experiencing, watching their parents sort out more or less amicably. We don't know all of the things that need to be sorted out when a couple separates. Yes, the children are older. The youngest just finished high school. But that does not mean that they have no feelings and are not experiencing grief around the ending of their intact family. Everyone, parents and children, will have to get used to new family dynamics and to make things more difficult under the media's constant glare. Bill and Melinda Gates, the default thought is immediately money, because that is largely the source of their notoriety. They are not a couple like any other. They are a couple dividing vast sums of money and property. But the hurt is real for everyone involved, parents and kids even adult kids. So let's cut them a little slack. So what are some of the issues facing a couple separating in midlife? What questions might be posed while navigating a separation like this? Here's one. Where is each party on their income earning trajectory? Have they peaked? If there has been a primary breadwinner in the family, how much longer can that person work? How much long can he or she be expected to work? Does this person have dependents? In other words, do the other spouse's financial fortunes depend on in any way the continued work of the primary breadwinner? If the answer is yes... Very careful consideration needs to be given to support arrangements for the non-working spouse. Is this spouse who traditionally did not work outside the home during the marriage or cohabitation devoting themselves almost exclusively to the children and the household? Are they able to do anything to contribute to their own support? Can that financial contribution be increased with any retraining? If so, who is going to pay for that? If both parties were working during the marriage but earned different incomes because, for example, in addition to working outside the home, one assumed more responsibility for the children and the household. When they both retire... In what financial position will that leave them? What about second families, further relationships? How will those impact financial arrangements going forward, if at all? If one spouse is paying support to the other and the receiving spouse actually depends on those payments to meet their day-to-day expenses, 
What about security for such payments? Meaning, what arrangements are being put in place to ensure, to the greatest extent possible, that such support continues or that there are replacement funds available in the event the payer spouse dies? Estate planning as a companion to tackling issues on separation in the context of family law is always important. When a couple separates, it is vital to consider wills, powers of attorney, beneficiary designations, and so on. But estate and even tax planning is particularly important for mature couples, especially where the family business was owned by both of them. Someone is staying and someone is exiting. Real estate is swapped with one keeping the house in Ontario and the other keeping the place in Florida, for example, or a cottage. How support is paid is also an important issue to consider. Will it be periodic? Paid each month, for example? Will it be paid by way of a lump sum with a release given by the receiving spouse to the paying spouse, as in, this lump sum I have received is in full and final satisfaction of my support claim and entitlement forever and ever. The tax implications of these two scenarios are different and need to be considered carefully. Will there be an automatic review after a number of years of the support arrangements? Do they fluctuate with increases or declines in income on both sides? On one side, by how much? What happens on retirement? Is there an automatic reduction? These are all vital issues in any case involving a separation, but in particular, when spouses separate later in life. Because, for example, retirement is not a far-off idea anymore, somewhere out there on the horizon. It may be coming in a few years. People are not expected to work forever. But on the other hand, dependents and their financial circumstances and needs must also come into play and be considered. I hope I have given you at least some food for thought and motivated you perhaps to consider these issues further to see if and how they may apply to you if you are separating later in life after 50. I often say that no two separating couples are the same. And we can extend this to age groups for separating spouses as well, married or common law. Navigating your way to a sane split also involves your identifying and addressing the specific issues that are relevant at your stage of life. And there definitely are such issues if you are separating after 50. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. 
signing off for now.